We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again! It's Halliburton at the buzzer, Captain Kush with another one! Brogdon goes inside, and Turner finishes! Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go! Good job! Oh, what a move by Heald, he lays it in! Heald, hotter than fish grease! Drops it off to Jalen Smith! With the poster! Jackson the catch, Jackson the basket! Washington, again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It's it to Taylor. Taylor missed it, tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! TJ Warren is not human! Halliburton gonna slam it at the other end. All right, Pacer fans, buckle up because this is going to be an experience. Ladies and gentlemen, we are firing up the trade machine. Fachi and I are here to close out the week, firing up the trade machine, and we're talking about which Pacer, Fachi? Malcolm Brogdon, a.k.a. the president. Well, I'm letting you guys know there might be a re-election going on, <laughs> and I'm leaning towards voting Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, Tyrese Halliburton, we can guarantee he is not involved in any of these trade ideas, but we are going to jump right in. So Fachi, uh, we both have six trade ideas here, and we, and we purposely did this where we did not have any teams overlap. So you guys are going to get 12 trade ideas here from uh, 12 different teams. So I think it's going to be really fun. Fachi, let's jump right into it. Who you got first? All right, going first, I'm going with the New York Knicks, a team that I want to say for, I know it's well over 11 years, but they have had a different starting point guard on opening night, each of at least the last 11 years. And you know that's something with the Knicks, you know, in a big market like that, there's always the demand to win. Mm-hmm. All right, so you know what? We've heard that the Knicks could be interested in Brogdon. So here's the, the trade that I was able to come up with. It's the Knicks sending Nerlens Noel, Evan Fournier, and my boy, Deuce McBride, who barely played this year, but when he did, he looked promising. Uh, and the 11th overall pick for Malcolm Brogdon, Goga, the Cavs pick, and the 31st overall pick. So with that, here's how it's going to break down. Nerlens Noel is owed about $18.4 million over the next two years. Um, year four of Evan Fournier's contract is not guaranteed. So the Pacers would owe him two years and $36 million remaining. I know Fournier did not live up to expectations, but he actually did set the Knicks franchise record in three-pointers made last year. So you're getting a good three-point shooter at roughly $18 million per year. You're getting Deuce McBride, who is a really good 3 and D point guard. Barely got to play over there, but I know him very well from, you know, watching my West Virginia Mountaineers. I'm telling you, this guy is very intriguing. Oh, 11th, a little, little bit biased, but anyway, he's the last part of the deal we really need to worry about. The 11th overall pick, that's really where the Pacers should be interested. If the Pacers can have 6 and 11, you got a lot of options. You're mm-hmm. also unloading the remaining $67, $67 million owed to Malcolm Brogdon. Goga gives them a center. 
you know, look, I think the ship sailed on Goga really being successful in Indiana. And then that Cavs pick, does it actually materialize as a first round pick or does it become two second round picks? I don't know, but we're not going to hold the bag in the end. We're going to, we're going to move it. And the 31st overall pick that is, is uh, an incentive for this year for the Knicks to be able to feel that they're getting another pick back. So how does this impact us financially? So impacts us financially by uh, the Pacers are, they're taking on is about $36 million combined with Fournier and, uh, and Nerland's Noel. They're handing out $22 million from Malcolm Brogdon. Goga's right around five. So the Pacers are taking back a little bit of extra salary. Nothing too crazy. I think in the end, it's about an extra, you know, $8 million plus the draft pick. So, but you're also, that's the price to, to move into 11th overall pick to get another pick. So in a year where the Pacers have, say, roughly $25 million in cap space, and you know they're actually going to have a hard time spending it all, this is a good way to, you know, spend about $8 million of that cap space. Yeah, from what I'm looking at here, Fachi, it looks like we'd only uh, have to take back $1.4 million in total yeah. salary. So based on, based on the trade machine, Fournier is $18 million, Noel's nine point two, which is twenty. 7.2, then you got McBride, who's 1.5. So that put us around $28 million. Uh, and then, yeah, $28 million. And then you're looking at Brogdon's at 22.6 and Goga's at 4.7. So that's, what's that, around 27? So Yeah, so that's... the difference was I, I, I included Noel as 18 overall when it's just, I mean, 18 million for next year when it's actually 18 overall. So you're right. So if anything... Yeah. This deal just got a little bit sweeter. Yeah, I was kind of confusing. You're like, we're nine million over. I was like, I, I'm not seeing that, but that's all right. Um, yeah, I think this makes a lot of sense. I, I can see the Knicks somewhat potentially doing this. Obviously, getting off Noel and Fournier is huge for them. The only thing I wonder, like, does McBride make sense here in Indiana? Would we have a spot for him? I mean, I'm not saying we wouldn't. Would they want to give him up? It's just um, if if they didn't include McBride, would you still do this? Yes, and selfishly, I included Deuce McBride in there because <laughs> I'm telling you, Pacer fans would fall in love with his work ethic. It's off the charts, always buys in a defense, really good three-point shooter. He was someone last year in a game, had a plus 39, you know, plus minus, and he, he didn't even score. That just yeah. shows how he's able to impact the game. So overall, I still do this deal if Deuce is not included. However, the fact that it doesn't really impact the Pacers uh, financially for the Knicks, they save money. That's the price of giving up 11, but also we're going to give them the Cavs pick, which will be a first round pick next year, most likely, but maybe not. Yeah. And then they'll get 31. So overall, seems like a win-win for each side with the Pacers coming out a little bit ahead. Yeah, I think I had something similar to that when I was looking at the Knicks. So I'm, I'm totally fine with this. Let's move on to my next one here, Fachi, or my first one, I should say, our next one though. And this is a trade between the Pacers and the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Um, I think this is probably a pipe dream, so maybe I'm shooting for the moon here. But I'm going after OG Ananobi. I still think that there's some potential to get him. And we're going to take on Kim Birch's contract. He's got $6.6 million left for uh, on two years, so that's a total of 13.2 overall. But for next year and the year after, it's only 6.6 .6 with OG 17.3. We're going to trade Malcolm Brogdon, and this is where it's going to sting a little bit because we uh -oh. just sent him on the podcast. Oh, I'm sending man. out O'Shea Brissett because I don't think you can get in an OB for Brogdon himself. I don't know if a draft pick really entices them, but I can see them being enticed by O'Shea Brissett, someone they already had on their roster. He's from Canada. Nick Nurse loved him. Obviously, Nate Bjorken loved him. He's there now. So I just wonder. I'm not saying the Pacers would do that, but it's uh, if you want to get OG in an OB, you might have to give up something. Sending O'Shea back home, huh, where it all started. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting. You know, we'll have to go and someone please pull the knife out of O'Shea's back from Alex. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look, uh, th this would be really intriguing. I love me some OG. I know Pacer Nation feels the same. But I'm wondering, would they give him up? You know, that, yeah. that's the thing that, that gets a little tricky. Plus, when you're looking at Toronto, they got Fred Van Vliet right over there at guard. Gary Trent Jr., very promising. So is Trent Jr. coming off the bench and then you're inserting Brogdon in there? How is that really working for them? I would probably start Brogdon and see what see what there is for Trent. Um, Trent, to me, is really good, but there are so many inconsistent moments from him yeah, throughout the I season. Agree. And I still think they need a center. So, like, 
we're not doing miles trades. So, I mean, miles could actually make a lot of sense here in this deal as well. And, and in place of Brogdon, depending on what they want and what they value in a center, because obviously we know Turner did great in Bjorkman's system. And he talked about like, that's when he felt the most impactful, but overall, I mean, we're doing Brogdon trades. So I was just thinking, Hey, you know, sometimes you don't have to think when, when you're doing trades like this, you have to think, okay, they make this move, but they could also make other moves later. It's not just like, oh, after this move, their team is set. It's similar to when the Pacers traded Karis LeVert, then they traded Sabonis and this and that and that. You know, it's like there's multiple moves to be made here. I think the Raptors with Scotty Barnes, with Pascal Siakam, I just don't know where they envision um, OG Ananobi. And I think Brogdon, a good enough defender and is a really good shooter, would love to see how he would fit in there. Definitely interesting. I, I lean that I'm hesitant to see if Toronto does this deal. Yeah, uh, this is it, a swing for the fence. It, exactly. If I'm the Pacers, I do this deal. Uh, you know, no offense, O'Shea. But, uh, you know, at this point, yeah, it, it would be very intriguing. If there's another deal for them to make afterwards, then that's that. That's kind of the, the key part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's move on to your next one here. All right. For my next deal right over here, we got – the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, so, Portland. With this, not the sexiest deal by any means. This, this is the, not a swing for the fences type move. <laughs> this is Josh Hart, Azir Little, and pick 36 for Malcolm Brogdon. Now, with this deal, the Pacers are actually going to save some money. Um, so it's actually going to be about $17 million coming to Indiana, while Brogdon's you know, 22.6 is going to the Trailblazers. Pacers are also picking up 36. It's going to be some extra ammunition where maybe you could package 31 and 36 and move up, or maybe it gives you other options. But this is more of a fallback option in case there aren't really those sexy offers out there. Love me some Josh Hart. Uh, I always had a soft spot for him. Interesting, Fudge. Yeah, this isn't a bad trade. I think Josh Hart's a really good player. But I know I just talked about, like, what do you do with a crowded backcourt? But, like, come on, what are we doing here? with Anthony Simons, Dame Lillard, and Malcolm Brogdon. I agree. It, it, it's, it's potentially a problem to have. Um, it, it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's a good problem. Maybe Portland just says, eh, you know what? I, I don't know. But I, I think in this instance, they're not giving up a lot to get Brogdon. And you got to appease Dame in terms of winning now. I don't, right. know, I don't know if Brogdon is, is going to be willing to come off the bench for them. But it, it's not like they're giving up a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it depends on how you feel about Hart. Obviously, Little played pretty well for him. 36 is nothing to me. He's hurt so. He's hurt right now, so that's part of the reason why I think he's expendable. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if he tore his ACL or not, but it wasn't good. Yeah, no, I think this is – I think you putting it as like a – this is a trade that, you know, it's like a last resort type of thing. Exactly. Because it doesn't really – like hearing this trade, I'm like, uh, can we go to the next one? <laughs> you know, We don't start the offer at this. Like we're not calling in like, hey, we need this because then they'd probably like deal. And they're like, oh, man, we should have started higher. This yeah. is like, hey, we're, we're calling around and teams are a bit skeptical. They're not giving up a lot. Like what's like a, a small type of trade that, A, also let, let's look into this. The Pacers financially moving forward. So Josh Hart, two years million. So you're talking about uh, it's really $26 million total. Nazir Little, $4.1 million team option. You're also getting the 36 pick. So overall, you're shaving off, I mean, a significant amount of money long term. Yeah, no, it's not a bad deal at all. I, I, I think it makes some sense if you look at it that way. But at the end of the day, I would prefer something better, and I think you would too. So no doubt, doesn't move the needle really <laughs> at all. But it's just a hey, if we want to save some money, or acquire another asset, and I like Josh Hart, then then not bad. All right, let's move on here, Fachi. I've got a three-team trade for you. Oh, those always have, those are always fun. They get interesting. Yeah. So here we have the Indiana Pacers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. All right, the Indiana Pacers send Malcolm Brogdon and the 2023 Cavaliers pick to Cleveland. So they get their pick back. The Lakers get Karis LeVert and pick 31 from the Rockets that we own. The Pacers take on Kendrick Nunn, THT, but they get the Cavs 2022 first round pick, pick number 14. 
Interesting. So let me see. A lot of moving parts over here. So the Pacers get Kendrick Nunn, Taylor mm-hmm. Horton Tucker, and that Cavs pick for this year, 16th yeah. overall. The last All pick right. in, the, in, the, in the draft lottery, number 14. Oh, it's 14. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. Not not 16. I was thinking of the plan. Um, anyway, uh, Karis LeVert is going to the Lakers. Correct. Right? Okay. And then overall, what was uh, – where's 31 going? 31's going with Karis because I think with the Lakers, they want to get desperately into the second round because they don't have a first-round draft pick. So this is pretty much like buying one. Um, the benefit here for them getting Karis LeVert – he makes more money and has more money on his deal that 18.7 um, than THT and Kendrick Nunn can combine for. So theirs is about 17.4, where his is 18.7, or 15.4, excuse me, where his is 18.7. So they can add him in another trade if they decide to go that route. Obviously, putting another non-shooter with the Lakers is funny. But, you know, I think the package of THT and Kendrick Nunn's not really doing it for him. They also get that 31st pick. Maybe they can use that and, and try to trade that to get into the first round or do something with it. Obviously, um, they are desperate. And I also like the fact that Karis LeVert is an expiring contract. He'll be expiring with Westbrook for the next season when they can really go out and make some big moves and not have to worry about uh, having a bunch of money on the on the salary. Interesting. So the Cavs get what? Is it Brogdon and they get uh, next year's first back? Yes, they get next year's first back. So basically they just say, hey, we'll give you this 14 overall pick. And they get Brogdon instead of Levert, which I think makes a lot of sense because they still have to have insurance in case they uh, don't want to re-sign Colin Sexton. And no offense to Karis Levert, but I just think Brogdon makes so much more sense next to Darius Garland than Levert does. We saw Levert uh, in that role, not a good defender, not a good three-point shooter. I think you add Brogdon to that double big lineup there with Mobley and Allen, and then if you want to start Lori marketing at the three or whatever they decide to do, I think this could make a lot of sense. Very interesting. I think for the Lakers, it makes perfect sense. This feels like a Lakers trade where, like, they send some lower-level pieces, you know, your THT, your Kendrick Nunn, and they end up getting a guy like Levert, who I think could, be, you know, thrive potentially off the bench for them or whatever they want to do. But then you're also getting the 31st overall pick, which then allows them to get crafty for the Cavs. Like I said, at this point, you're giving up on Levert because it was not a, a pretty scene last year for Levert mm-hmm. in Cleveland. You get Brogdon to pair him with Garland. I like that. I do. But then do they want to give up the 14th overall pick for that? that they're trying to win now. They don't want to, they didn't want the pick in the first place. That's why they were willing to give it up already this year, right? So I think by doing this, they couldn't trade for Brogdon last year. I think if Brogdon were available, they could have actually got Brogdon instead of Levert. And I think Brogdon's a better option than Levert and or Eric Gordon, who was another guy they were interested in, right? So to me, it's like Brogdon is 29 years old. He's going to be the adult in the room that can start next to him. He can also play point guard with the second unit if Garland is, you know, needing some time to rest or he's got an injury. You know, Brogdon obviously won't have as much on him. And I think him playing off ball will be good because obviously we know it's Darius Garland's team. You know, we don't have to worry about Malcolm feeling like he's entitled to it. But I think, you know, get him in there. I think Kevin Love's a good veteran to put with him. Uh, to me, it just feels like a really good environment for Brogdon to really thrive in, with the up-and-coming Cavaliers team. I definitely like the Brogdon fit there better than Levert. So, you know, if the Cavs are on board, I think everybody else would be on board. I would love the idea of the Pacers being able to pick at 6 and 14. I feel like at mm-hmm. 14, you could still get a very promising player in this draft. So, uh, hey, I'm on board, and I know the Lakers are on board. Yeah, I like the idea of THT on the Pacers, too. I think I would like to try that out and just see what it looks like. I'm definitely fine trying that out. Kendrick Nunn is a good player who unfortunately missed. It's just salary. Like all of for me. I know, I know. Look, I'm not expecting Kendrick Nunn to take this leap, but like Kendrick Nunn went from being an undrafted player to being a really solid player. It's a shame that he missed all of last year. But it gives the Pacers options. And yeah. in that, THT, look, still 21 years old. He's under contract for two more years. The contract's fine. Uh, it's $10.2 million per year. So, you know, it, it's intriguing. I, I'd be on board for this. Yeah, and also, uh, one more thing on this before I let you go to your next one. It gives us $7 million more in cap space. Hey, there we go. The hard thing is going to be spending money this offseason. Who's going to take it? Someone's got to take it, but we're going to have a lot of it. Now so, we can throw that max to DeAndre Ayton. Exactly. <laughs> Feel a little bit better about it. So 
Moving over to my next trade. We're calling up the San Antonio Spurs, all right? And we're getting back a familiar face, all right? And that man goes by McBuckets, all right? It's Doug McDermott, Zach Collins, and the Boston Celtics first-round pick, which is currently 25th overall for Malcolm Brogdon, all right? If the Pacers need to throw in another player, they can throw that in here. Now we're going to break it down. Only $3.6 million of Zach Collins' contract is guaranteed for next season in 2024 not a penny is guaranteed. So Zach Collins is more of the filler in over there. A couple of years ago was promising injuries have just wrecked, you know, a lot of promise for him. Uh, the Pacers actually save $1.5 million for this year or the next upcoming season in the deal. You acquire the 25th overall pick. I think all of a sudden, if you're packaging 25 and 31, I do think that you can move up solidly and you get a good three point shooter and Doug McDermott, who is familiar with the Pacers. Yeah, he did. He played really well under Carlisle, too. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Can we not get the, the 20th pick in this? So deal? that's the thing. So the, the Spurs actually have three first-round picks in this draft. I believe it's ninth. I think it's like 21st and 25th. At, in this situation, I thought just to make it easier, 25. But maybe we start the asking price at 21. Yeah, I, I I feel like it's actually pick 20 from Toronto because um, I know they have 9, 20, and 25. To me, this is another sell low in a sense for Brogdon. McDermott's past his prime. Zach Collins is a guy that I don't – unless you really think he could become something. Uh, that pick to me is not much better than pick 31. I think that range is all very similar. So it's not great to me. No, it's not. And I will also say this. Similar to the, the the Blazers, the problem I was running into, you got DeJounte Murray, you got Devin Vassell, you got Josh Primo. Where does Malcolm Brogdon fit into this young team that's rebuilding in position-wise? I mean, and those guys are all probably guys they want to keep around long-term. So and, and unless they're willing to move one of those somewhere else to upgrade another position, I don't, I don't understand why they would want Brogdon. Um, that's the problem I came up when I was looking at Spurs trades. But um, – they definitely have the picks that make it interesting. I just don't know if Brogdon to, to San Antonio makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, it might not make a ton of sense, but at some point, this Spurs team needs to start winning. I mean, this is the worst the Spurs have been for the last couple of years. Like, they're they're dwelling in that, like, 9, 10 range right over here. This is not, like, and when I say seed, I mean seed in the West. Like, they're in that range where it's just, man, that's not where we're used to seeing the Spurs be before. Guys like Lonnie Walker are restricted free agent that have not worked out there. Yes, they have the young, promising guards, but, you know, Devin Vassell can play small forward. Primo didn't really get to see much uh, last year. I think he could be promising someone they picked, I believe, 12th overall right in front of Duarte. So overall, yeah, are they in love with uh, Malcolm Brogdon? No, but they did trade Derek White, so I felt they had an opening at one of the guard spots. Maybe they're using it for one of their younger talents. Um, for McDermott right over there he's actually the the second highest paid player on the team and you know I felt like at that point hey you know maybe you want to bring in another guard but I could I could see both sides to it if the Pacers are getting the 21st pick instead of 25th I mean 20th overall which I confirmed you're right I would much rather the 20th than 25th as would everybody else but overall does it move the needle a lot no however are the Pacers going to be able to get this haul back for Brogdon I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely interesting. So I'll go to my next one here, Fachi, and then we'll take a quick break because we've hit the halfway point. I'm looking at the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. okay. There's been a lot of rumblings that Atlanta could be very aggressive in moves they make this year, and I think this one could make some sense depending on how they view Malcolm Brogdon. I, I know there's a lot of rumblings about his relationship with Nate McMillan, but let's just be real. Who knows what that would even happen? Brogdon from Atlanta would probably – is he from Atlanta? I think he is. He, is, he, would, he, is. he would love to be back home. I similar to Darius Garland, I think he could make a lot of sense next to Trey Young. Right now, they've got Kevin Herter in that position. And while Herter's a really good player, he's not the defender that Brogdon is. So for me personally, this is a deal that makes too much sense. The Pacers take back Danilo Gallinari Ooh. in the 16th overall pick for Malcolm Brogdon. Now here's the catch. Uh-oh. Gallinari has a partial guarantee for this season. If he's waived by June 29th, which would be after the draft, only $5 million is guaranteed this upcoming season. 
So that would create even more cap space for you to do another lopsided trade or go out and maybe sign some free agents. Not saying that that's the ultimate goal is to get a bunch of free agents, but I think it would definitely help you with your trade ammunition. You could potentially flip Gallinari again, but the goal here is to get that 16th pick and potentially get off that salary. I think this one is pretty basic, but makes a ton of sense. Very intrigued here. So Gallinari, look, he's at the, the his better years, they've already happened. Um, at this point, I, I feel like Gallinari is someone that Hawks would probably like to move. Um, I'm intrigued here. The man can shoot. You know, the, the $5 million guarantee is appealing, but I think it's also, like you mentioned, a guy that can be flipped again. Mm-hmm. So that part is, is, is very interesting. 16th overall, hey, we're just creeping up the board over here. So I, I like I like the fact of getting another pick in the teens. I'm yeah. definitely on board. I, I think the Hawks would be too. Yeah, I mean, they're not really giving up much. They're not. Pick 16 is kind of where we thought the cast pick would be. That's why I threw it out there. Obviously, trying to win now, you know. Yeah, that's that's talent. the big thing. They can't even play some of their young talent. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's like when you look at a team like San Antonio, they're so young, it's really hard to figure out what they're doing with their roster. But with Atlanta, yep. you know, hey, they were just in these finals two years ago. So they're trying to get back there. And I think if you can flip Gallinari and 16 to a rebuilding Pacers team for Brogdon, I mean – all across the board, it makes him better because Calinari is very limited in what he can do. So that's a reason I like this. But Fashi, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and finish up the remaining of our 12 trades. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Fachi, now that we've got a chance to reset, Give me your fourth trade. All right. So, hey, coming off that Hawks trade, it's going to be a, a, a tough one at top because I think that's a great <laughs> trade for both teams. But here's what I got. We're hitting up the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that is feeling the pressure to start winning now. They have uh, a star that is so unhappy that he didn't even play a single second last year with them, and that's Zion. So yeah. we're not getting Zion. So that's oh, come on. But, oh, uh, come on. Here's who we are getting. It's Larry Nance. Devontae Graham, the Lakers 2023 first for Malcolm Brogdon, and if needed, Goga. Now, right over here, is it the sexiest deal? No, it's not. But Larry Nance is a good player right over here who has one year left on his contract. Um, Then all of a sudden you're looking at Devontae Graham, who you're still getting a backup point guard over there. He can shoot threes. You know, a player that not, not maybe overly the best, but as it relates to... Um, as it relates to Larry Nance, you're talking about one year, $9.6 million left for Devontae Graham. It's about $12 million per year, two years left. And then you're getting that Lakers first. Now, where is that pick? I don't know. Could it be good? Could. Is it just probably going to end up being a pick in the 20s? I think so. But you're getting some rotational players back. You're saving a lot of money. You're getting a future first. And I think the Lakers would have definite interest in Brogdon, assuming they move Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Um, well, did you say Brogdon to the Lakers? Uh, the Pelicans is what I meant. I'm sorry. Okay. The Pelicans <laughs> would like... definitely have uh, interest in Malcolm Brogdon, and I just I tied that Lakers first in there. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> did yeah. I miss something? No. Um, but no, yeah, I think this kind of makes some sense. Obviously, I, it would be nice to get pick eight, but. Um, I actually talked to one of my Pelicans friends just kind of through a trade idea like, hey, could the Pacers get eight? 
for Brogdon, and he was like, no chance. He's like, you guys missed your opportunity to trade Brogdon to us. He doesn't make a lot of sense here now. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I threw out basically what you threw out for salary purposes, Nance and Graham. It, it makes perfect sense there with what you're trying to do. Um, obviously, Devontae Graham really struggled for them towards the end of the season. And Larry Nance, he's on an expiring deal. So, you know, I, I wouldn't hate that idea. Obviously, you could probably flip both of them later. I don't think Graham makes a lot of sense with having McConnell, having Halliburton, but you never know. I think Graham can actually play off ball a little bit too, uh, especially since Tyrese is a little bit bigger. So, I mean, it's not like the end of the world, but what I really like here, Fachi, in this is if you keep your Cleveland pick and it conveys to a 2023 first, you have your Lakers 2023 first and your own. Exactly. That's a lot of ammunition for next year's draft, which is projected to be better than this year's. Yeah, exactly. So I'm over here. We got to be thinking, guys, look, there's not really a trade that we're putting together that is going to instantly make the Pacers a better team next year where all of a sudden, hey, we're in the, the thick of things. This is a, a deal. These are deals to set us up for sustained success, whether it's keeping the books open, adding extra picks, players that are that could stick around, but also maybe only have one to two years left. And that's what we're getting over here. If we can go into next year, or and I would say not this season coming up, but the following, and have three first-round picks, the books are cleared. I mean, it gives the team so many options to all of a sudden, you know, go in each different direction. So with this trade right over here, it doesn't blow anyone away, but it acquires that extra first-round pick. You get some young talent that could fit in, like Larry Nance, you take a one-year flyer on. Devontae Graham has two years left on the contract, 11.5 and 12 million. That third year is only 2.8 million is guaranteed on there, so it's not a big deal. I think that's someone that probably does end up getting flipped again. And then for Brogdon, $67 million owed that's coming off the books. Yeah, no, I think it makes some sense. I don't know if the Pelicans want to have all that money tied down to them long-term. That'd be my only hang-up, like, because obviously you got C.J. McCollum making a bunch of money. Ingram's making money. Zion's about to be up for his rookie extension. You know, the only thing they could really move is Valanchunas, and I think, you know, that does make some sense. They got Jackson Hayes on a rookie deal as well. I think he's uh, on his final year as well. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces over there moving with the Pelicans, um, but they do have Herb Jones, who's really good on a really good contract in Alvarado as well. So, I I mean, that's a pretty deep team. I don't hate that idea. Um, I'd be surprised with the Pelicans thing. But let's move on to my fourth one here, Fachi. I've got the Pacers and the Hornets making a trade, but have no fear Gordon Hayward's not involved. Oh, I, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, so he's not involved. This is uh, kind of similar to what we threw out for Miles, but Mason Plumley, Kelly Oubre, the 13th pick, for Malcolm Brogdon. Okay. Uh, Kelly Oubre, Mason Plumley, and the 13th overall pick for Brogdon. Malcolm. Yep, and those are both expiring contracts. So I came across the Hornets, and when I looked at it, here's the tricky part. Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Who's coming off the bench? They're trading Terry Rozier. That's oh. my gut feeling. Interesting. Um, Who would you rather have, Brogdon or Rozier? I mean, one guy stays healthy, the other doesn't. So it, yeah, but the other one's a chucker. And I mean, one, definitely and a chucker. A chucker who I've been saying the only thing scary was the idea that Terry could become an Indiana a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I wanted no part of that. But man, that would be contingent on them trading one of those guards for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's my um, thought. I, I I feel like they're going to make some drastic moves because they want to get out of this playing situation. I think adding a veteran presence. Like Brogdon makes a lot of sense. They can't rely on Gordon Hayward to stay healthy. They've got to pay Miles Bridges. They've got P.J. Washington's going to be coming up next year. They need a better center. Could they use Hayward plus Terry Rozier to go out and maybe make a big splash somewhere? They have they have assets to move stuff, but they've got to figure out what works best for them the most. I just feel like at this point, if you can get Brogdon, you don't give up both picks. You still have a chance to get a center at 15. Um, I think there's a good chance Mark Williams is still available at 15 from Duke. Potentially Jalen Dern, if he's not drafted in the lottery, there's potentially a good slide. We'll see what happens there. But I just – I feel like that makes a ton of sense to me for what they're trying to build. And once again, with these young point guards, um, I just feel like they're in a win-now situation unlike the Pacers. So that's why it makes more sense to play him next to a guy like LaMelo Ball because he's going to be feasting next to him. I love this trade for the Pacers. I love the idea of getting 13. Kelly Oubre is a good player. He is. He's like in that 
like line where you know, he's not a great player. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it's just one year left on his deal. I mean, he had some big games, um, you know, comes off the bench. So it's not, that's not an issue for him, but I really struggle with the fact that do the Hornets want to get themselves in a situation where they have technically, you know, three guards that maybe want the ball. I know Brogdon's better in an off ball situation, but if Brogdon's getting traded to, to Charlotte and, and, and Rozier's not getting moved and, and he Brogdon's asked to come off the bench. It's going to get messy. It's going to get ugly. So it's contingent on if they're going to trade Rozier. They trade Rozier, this deal makes perfect sense for them. Yeah, that that's my thinking is they would have to trade him. So uh, let's move on to your next one, Fachi. All right. This one's, this one's an interesting one. Okay. Um, so this is the Timberwolves. Ooh, Minnesota. Now, curious to see if they'll do this or not. Oh, no. I'm afraid we're getting somebody back I don't want. No, 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 no. But, I mean, there, there's you know, everyone's got guards in this league. So okay. it, things get a little messy. So with this, the Timberwolves are trading Patrick Beverly, originally oh, no. your boy, Josh Akogi, and the 19th overall pick for Brogdon and 31 if we have to. They're not trading Pat Bev. Pat Bev only has one year left. I don't know if they do because he was a major part of the change that the Timberwolves went through, and I want a piece of it, all right? We've talked about for a while, the Pacers need some edge. They need someone to come over there and get in their face and say, look, we're not just going to get hit. We're going to hit back. So I feel like Pat Beverly brought that to the Timberwolves, that chippiness this year, and it was infectious. I feel like it spread across the whole team. If there's a chance that, look, the Timberwolves go, look, man, we love Beverly, but we really don't want to pay him at this point in his career hey brogdon's already paid he's under contract for three years like he's bringing more offensively to the game for sure okogi just didn't work out over there look he he's got a qualifying offer this year of 5.8 million dollars he's kind of just like a throw-in type of situation of like he's there 19th overall pick and we're they're sliding back to 31 so over there, we move up in the draft. We get Pat Beverly for just a year to be able to kind of change a little bit of how everybody goes about themselves. And then off, off, other than that, we're getting a lot of money off the books. Okay, so I, I'm going to debunk this trade. One, I don't think Minnesota will move off of Pat Beverly because of what he did for that team from an emotional standpoint, um, from a leadership standpoint. I think if you swap Beverly for Malik Beasley, this trade gets done. And I think it makes more sense, and you probably don't have to give up pick 31 for it to happen. Oh, yeah. We don't give up if, if it's Malik Beasley because I, I feel like they've soured on Malik, and so have I. A couple of years ago, he was very good. The, the man averaged a hair under 20 points two years ago. I don't know what happened last year. I know his playing time is down, but there was a massive drop-off. Still a really good player who can really you know nail some threes, but – Man, I don't know. There's, I want, I want what Patrick Beverly brings to the yeah, team. Yeah, but you don't want the baggage that comes with Pat Beverly. It's so just one year. That's all I'm, I'm just, I'm just telling you from the inside that I've gotten from someone close to the team. Uh, there's a lot of baggage that comes with Pat Beverly, and is it worth that risk? I don't, I don't think it is. So here's what I'm gonna say about Malik Beasley, real quick. When we're talking about baggage, this man was playing with an ankle bracelet a couple of years ago yeah, as he was on house arrest. So he's yeah, not a saint but, either. No, not saying that, but come on now. Uh, we don't need to get too deep into this. But no, no, no. With with that being said, um, they're not trading Pat Bev. So this trade to me, I, I like the idea okay. of getting I like the idea of getting pick 19. What I was afraid you were gonna say was D'Angelo Russell, because no. that's a guy they want off the books. I know. He's only got 31 million, it's, and he's actually a pretty good player. He is. Uh, I, I wouldn't hate the idea if we brought him in here. I think some fans would be kind of intrigued by it. I know a lot of fans wanted him at some point. But overall, I, I would say that is someone that they would like to move. So if you have Brogdon and Beverly together with um, with that core that they have built there, I think that could make a lot of sense, especially defensively. I think Brogdon's a much bigger upgrade than D'Angelo Russell, and that's part of the reason I uh, I wanted to do that. So overall on this one, I'm uh, I'm out on this one just because I don't think it's realistic. Hey, that's fine. I'm, I'm going to shoot for whatever deal gives us an edge. And with this, I, I think that would be great, but I understand because Patrick Beverly had such an impact on that team last year that I think it would disrupt the locker room getting rid of a guy like that. But if he was under contract for more than one year, 
I don't think they, they would move him at all. The fact that it's one year makes it a little bit muddier waters, but they probably don't move him. All right, Bocci, let's move on. I think this one is going to sting you a little bit because I know you've been Ooh. wanting to get Brogdon off the Pacers, but it would only be poetic if you went from your Pacers to your first love, the Washington Wizards. So never that. In the in this trade scenario, we've got Malcolm Brogdon, the Cavaliers pick, going to the Wizards for Ishmith, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and the tenth overall pick in this year's draft. All right. So Brogdon and and thirty one was it? No, the Cavs pick, 2023. Oh, no, all, right, all right, So Brogdon and the Cavs pick for Caldwell Pope, Ishmith, and the 10th overall pick. Correct. I don't think they'd do it. Beal could, Beal could leave them high and dry, and if Beal leaves, that team has nothing. That 10th overall pick, I feel like they desperately need it. So for what? For a future. They got nothing going over there. Who the are they Wizards? getting in this draft with the future? I, I don't know. At but pick they, they, 10. They, they need it. You know, we'll see who's going to be around. This draft, I'm telling you, if Beal leaves, my guess, he signs an extension and then probably asks for a trade about a year later. Uh, overall, like, that team right now is so it, – it's gross. So, I mean – What do you think convinces Beal to stay more, trading for Brogdon or keeping the 10th pick? I think if, if, if you're a GM and you're trying to convince Bradley Beal to stay and you say – we got Malcolm Brogdon. He's like, yeah, I'm out. They just they, traded for Chris Tops Porzingis. And, and you know what happened? Beal said that he was out for the year. Or, or maybe it was a little bit before then. They didn't even play together. I don't even think Beal even remotely cared about that move. Porzingis is, was just dumped on them so they could get rid of Dinwiddie. Who they he didn't like Dinwiddie. With. Exactly. I, I mean, is he going to love Brogdon? I don't know. Who knows? Brogdon's going to follow suit with him. I, I don't think that we, Brogdon would have a problem deferring to Bradley Beal. But look at that starting lineup. KP, Kyle Kuzma, Brogdon, Beal. You don't think that team could be competitive in the Eastern Conference to a certain degree? Well, that the, the key part is to a certain degree. Well, they're not and, winning and, the championship, but they're oh, not no, they're going definitely to definitely not. They're not anywhere close with Christoph Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma as your front court starting group. No, they're not. They're in shambles. So I, I think I think the tenth overall pick is is a bit. That's where I see it as like, man, I don't think Brogdon has that sort of value unless you're taking back some bad type of contracts. And well, they don't really have any. They don't know that Porzingis, which there's no way that we're even touching. I that. would take Porzingis back if they were really if it got us a tenth pick. I just don't think they want to get rid of him. They acted like he was going to be a part of their future. They got Denny Avdia. They've got uh, Ruby Hachimura. They've got some other guys that are, I believe, like Jan Mahimi is a cap hold on there. They've got the same with uh, Thomas Bryant. I'm just saying cap hold. I'm not saying no, I know, but I just love hearing that name because it was <laughs> just like Mahimi went over there and was one of the worst return on investments I can think of in quite some time. So it's just funny that there's still a cap hold on, on that team. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel kind of bad for Jan. Obviously. It, was, it was tough. NBA just changed away from how he plays. But yep. with that being said, I mean, I, I just feel like – I'm looking at teams that are desperate to win now. Um, and that's kind of why I went this route. I mean, you can make the case that maybe KCP at 14 million is more valuable than Brogdon at 22. Only I mean, 4.8 million guaranteed for KCP. That's a, That's a very appealing yeah. contract. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the Pacers would get a little bit more cap space in this mm -hmm. move. I just feel like you have to look at these teams that really want to win now because who knows what player they go after in this draft, but they just got Corey Kispert last year too, Fodge. So I mean, to me, I think you have to go out and get a point guard. That's an issue that they've needed since John Walsh had his injuries. Mm -hmm. And I but think they have Brog the need. They do. But who's there's no good point guards in this draft, really, at that point at, at 10. A Ty Ty Washington actually he's not, could be. He's not he, worth it's it. A, at it's 10. A, I, probably not. Probably not. He has fallen down so many boards. Uh, yeah, and he's almost yeah. better off ball sometimes. I mean, he just, he's a weird player. I don't like the fit there with him in Washington, even though I might've mocked it before. It's just like, you're reaching so much here for a point guard. I think Brogdon around the same age as Beal just makes a lot of sense to pair them together. And at that point, if they work out, then you look to move Kuzma and Porzingis and see if you can get something else there. I mean, I'm just saying like they'd have the, they don't have a lot of picks. So that's the problem. So it, it, it's interesting because they'd get that cast pick next year. And I think next year's draft is when they might need it more, especially if they suck this year. So 
uh, it's just interesting to me. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's more than likely going to happen. I just, I feel like it could happen more than I think you're giving it credit for. Just my I, I thoughts, just, though. I just think you you could go out there and get some better offers for the 10th overall pick and an appealing contract like Caldwell Pope, where if a team just cuts him, you only owe him 4.8, but he's going to you know be a, a good 3 and D guy over there. So Brogdon injury history right over there. Porzingis injury history. It's 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 not the best. Who's the point guard? Well, they they need a point guard. No, I'm, I'm asking who they who do they trade for then? What other point guards out oh, there oh, are available? I mean, I'm asking. I, I'm serious. I, I don't know. I don't know right now. I, I I'm I'm just focused on Brogdon trades for now. But I, I'd have to scan <laughs> and see what other point guards are out there. But you know well, that was the problem we had when we were trying to trade Brogdon last year when we were doing our fake trades for Brogdon. We just couldn't find anything that made sense for point guards. And when we came to the Kings for Sabonis, we thought, well, they would never get rid of Halliburton. You know never would have thought that. Yeah, that's that's kind of where it's at. Like the point guard discrepancy in this league is so far. Like, would you rather pay for Brogdon or would you rather pay for like D'Angelo Russell? I mean, I, I'm I'm just saying, like, those are your probably your two best point guards available on the trade market right now. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the Wizards, you know, come fishing around to see what the market is for Brogdon with the Pacers, what we're looking for. <laughs> but, man, that 10th overall you pick. Don't, you don't want to give up the 10th pick because you're afraid of your Wizards being yeah, in the garbage right. again. <laughs> Look at if, you. If the Pacers Look get the you. 10th overall pick for Brogdon, I will celebrate in the streets. What's the difference that, between them getting 10 and 11? Because there's been a lot of talk about maybe getting 11 in the Knicks. I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference is taking $36 million back on Evan Fournier and $18 million on Noel. It wasn't 36. It was only 27. What is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. $36 million owed to Fournier over the next two years. Oh, okay. Yeah, plus the $18 million <laughs> owed. Over here, we're, we're getting back like an amazing contract or Caldwell Pope where – you know, a team could just cut him. He's only owed like a third of his money. And then other than that, we're not even taken back. Ish Smith at one point, you know, $4.7 million. It's nothing. If we were going to take back like a, a potentially bad contract for them, which they don't have. That's the thing. Then I, then besides I Porzingis. Get, yeah. Exactly. I mean, besides Porzingis, they don't have it. I mean, that's where I was struggling. I'm like, I don't want to give us Rui Hachimura like that. Yeah. Like if you take out the 10th pick and then maybe just give us Ruby, like that can make a lot more sense, but and, I, and, and yeah, exactly. that's not what I want. That's not what I want either. Then I could be like, Oh, oh yeah. The wizards will do that. But <laughs> oh, okay. Let, let's see your last one here. I'm sorry. All right. No worries. Now this say potentially the best for last or the one that is a, a swing for the fences. And that involves the Sacramento Kings, a team that we did a deal with. Do they want to do another one? All right. Okay. We, we robbed them the first time. Let's see if we can go back for more. So we got Harrison Barnes, who's going to be expiring on $18 million left. Uh, the fourth overall pick for Malcolm Brogdon, sixth overall, and the Cavs first next year. If they want Goga, they can have him too. Read it and again. So like Harrison Barnes in the fourth overall pick for Brogdon, Sixth overall, the Cavs first next year, and if they want Goga, they can have him as well. Mm, I don't think they do this. I don't think they. I don't know if they do it either. I don't think they do. So that's why if we had a smash the emergency glass, that thirty first overall pick is coming their way too. Oh wow, really smashing the emergency glass? If we gotta <laughs> smash it, if we have to, I mean, that's not smashing the emergency I know, glass. I that's know. like well, putting, look, that's like not, picking trash up off the ground. Uh, yeah, let's give it a little credit, but look, They're I didn't want getting rid of Harrison Barnes. That that's a position of need that they desperately need. They don't need another guard to get rid of a wing. I, I think the Rashawn Holmes stuff makes way more sense. What if you slide back to six and you take Keegan Murray? You still have a hole at the forward position. Uh, I mean, uh, they need Barnes and Murray. That's the okay. thing. Well, that, I mean, if you play Murray at the four, you got Sabonis at the five. Who's playing the three? Justin Holiday. See how good he was as a starter? Chimezi, they, they better figure it out. Uh, so that's why know, I don't that's why I think that they're trying to get more out of this fourth overall pick than just slide back and give up Barnes. I think because they, they I believe they have cap space to a certain degree, don't they? Because they, they could have some. Now look, is this the home run deal for the Kings with the fourth overall pick? No, I definitely think they they could get more, but with this, you're only sliding two picks back. You're getting a first next year, you're getting 31 this year. Uh, you know, uh if if you Harrison Barnes, what are the likelihood that he re-signs over there or is not asking for, you know, a, a bigger contract, whatever it might be. It's just one year left on his deal where Brogdon is under contract for three. Okay, so here's the thing. They have, 
about $13 million in cash space. That is the Kings have that right now. So if you send Rashawn Holmes and take back Malcolm Brogdon, it actually works for them and it gives us more cap space. We're getting a much worse player. No offense to Rashawn Holmes, but um, a center that we don't really need. And then you swap picks. I think that could make some sense if that's what they really want. Um, if they want Brogdon, you put Davion Mitchell back on the bench, start Brogdon next to Fox. You draft Keegan Murray at six. We get Jaden Ivey. And then you're looking at Barnes, Murray, Sabonis, Brogdon, and Fox. Does that scream Western Conference playoffs to you? Man, look, I don't know what it's going to take for the Kings to get to the playoffs, but, you know, overall, this is a team that has to win now. I think they would much rather get rid of Rashawn Holmes. The problem over here, I was thinking, is once again, we got another center. So it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, but having Turner, Rashawn Holmes, and Goga is just like, we got to get Goga out of there. And then at that point, Rashawn Holmes, I mean, does that – are we able to everything doesn't work? have to be set in stone. That's why I'm not. No, no, yeah. When you make trades like this, like you can easily move somebody else. Like, is is there a chance that you you do a sign and trade and get rid of Turner? Maybe. Is there a chance that maybe Rashawn Holmes be tra- can get traded somewhere else? Like, he doesn't have to stay here just because he's traded here. Uh, we can trade him to another team that needs a center. Like, you know, would Charlotte have interest in him? Would t- potentially Toronto have interest in him? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where you have to look at. It. It's like, okay, I, I get it. But at the same time, uh, I think that it makes more sense because Barnes to me is just so much a part of what they're trying to do in Sacramento. And, and unless they're getting another forward, like a John Collins or something, it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade for trade him for Brogdon. If you're including our guy O'Shea, does it change anything? Um, here's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like Pacers fans probably – appreciate and value O'Shea more than the other teams do. I definitely agree with that. I feel like the Pacers fans and us probably undervalue Malcolm Brogdon than what other teams do. So definitely. there is, you got to find that middle ground, right? Because like, you know, we're like, ah, oh, Brogdon injury prone. He's 29. Yeah, it's not good. But then you think about it when he was in the playoffs, he wasn't bad. So it's like, uh, the thing is he was asked to do too much here. Asked to be the number one guy a lot of the time because we would just struggle with ball handlers you give him a secondary, you know, a third role, I think he can be a much better player. That's that's what teams have to think when they're trading for him. He's not going to be our number one. He's going to be a number three, number four option, and that's what's going to make it more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for, for the Kings, it gives them a lot of, you know, if they slide down just two picks right over there and you get the Cavs first, you get 31, you're getting Brogdon right over there. It, it's not a bad deal, but it depends if they, they value – Harrison Barnes more than maybe a lot of other teams do, then, then I understand. I think Harrison Barnes, good player, but, you know, not like, a, oh, man, this, this, this franchise won't survive without him. Yeah, the deal that I had done for the Kings when I was making up my fake trades was Rashawn Holmes, Justin Holiday, Maurice Harkless, and the fourth overall pick for Brogdon and six. Uh, it still gives them that extra money in the cap space because it would pretty much be equal salary at this point. Uh, Holiday and Harkless are expirings, so really you're not worried about that. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, Fachi. I think the Pacers just want to move up so bad. I don't know what they'd be willing to give up to move up, but from what we've heard, they really like Jaden Ivey. <laughs> so um, if they can move up to four and just kind of see what the Rockets do, could the Rockets be dumb and take Ivey over Boncaro? Then Boncaro falls to four. Like, wow, this could be crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think. Th- I don't know if this draft is going to go exactly how everybody thinks it's going to go. Never they, does. It never does. There's people, there's going to be guys that their stock rises. I mean, I've used Josh Giddey as an example. Sire Williams, like, those are guys that like, we didn't have in the top 10 last year. And all of a sudden, they, they shot up. So the trade that you mentioned, like, oh, I feel like taking back Mo Harkless, like Justin Holiday, like, it was great that we had him. But, you know, like, nice guy and everything like that. And like Rashawn Holmes, you're getting three guys that I, I feel like, what's the plan for an even? Are they just here? They, do they fit into the future plans? Are we trying to already get rid of them the second they touch down in Indiana? I know we move up to two, but if we move up, I'm fine giving up Brogdon because we're getting into that top five. But I just wonder if it's, uh, if all of a sudden people look at it like, oh man, like the Kings just slid down two picks. They got Brogdon and they, they got rid of, you know, a bunch of just, so-so players, like, hey, not bad. 
Yeah, so, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 tough. What I would really like to do is we should make a list of maybe our top three trades over here and let our listeners. Hey, I haven't decide. even given my last one yet. You're well, just gonna hog the mic. All right. Hey, my bad. Let's see what you got. Well, let me ask you this: Do you want another three-team trade, or do you want just a basic trade? Mm. It's up to you, brother. Give me both. Okay. Well, this one I feel like is really unrealistic, so I'll just get this one oh, out of the way. Man, all right. What do we got? Pacers, Grizzlies. I got Dylan Brooks, and I got pick twenty-two from Utah because they don't need another draft pick. Let's just be honest; they got so many young players coming to the Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon, and. I originally put number 31 because they can do what they want with it. Um, it's probably cheaper. But even if I had to give up potentially um, an unprotected like 2024 pick or maybe like a top, uh, we'll do top 10 protected uh, 2024, 2025 pick, I think that could be interesting only because I kind of like the idea of Dylan Brooks on this Pacers team. And I just, after watching him in the playoffs and just how much of a chucker he was, I wonder if Memphis feels like they can win big time with him as a starter. So the same, first of all, you almost significantly lost me at an unprotected first round pick. <laughs> I, I meant to correct myself. Me. <laughs> had me shook to my core. All right. But then when you mentioned about how much Harrison Barnes means to the Kings, I feel like it's way more for Dylan Brooks to Memphis. I feel like he's like a big part of that locker room and, and the culture over there and, you know, and like John Morant and all that. Like, I feel like that would be something that could ruffle some feathers. So you said it was Dylan Brooks. And then what was the, the pick that, that they have? That's it was built? pick 22 that they got from the jazz and the Mike Conley deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would send Brogdon. And then I said a top 10 protected 2024 pick. The thing is, they just have so much young talent right now. Um, they got Desmond Bain. They got Zyra Williams last year in the draft. They obviously have Jaron Jackson Jr., John Moran. They've got so many young guys. Do they need an adult in the room? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear That's you. That's the only that. reason so, I'm saying that it makes somewhat of sense so to me. But Say we do this deal. Now at the two-guard spot, you got Buddy, you got Duarte, you got Dylan Brooks. Is Buddy getting moved after this, I guess? What was that again? I'm sorry. At the two-guard spot, you'll have Buddy – Duarte and Dylan Brooks. Yeah, but I think that I think that Dylan Brooks is at six foot seven. He can play the three. So you have two Oregon snipers out there, Duarte and Dylan Brooks. It'd be interesting. I would be shocked. I, I think from a culture standpoint, I'd be shocked if Memphis moved Dylan Brooks. Yeah, we're spending too much time. I said it probably wasn't likely. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Part you want my you want my unrealistic three team trade real quick too? Brilliant. Okay, so this is where we're going to get your guy, Gordon Hayward, involved here. My guy, yeah. But he's okay. not coming to the Pacers, so that's the good news. Oh, This is an interesting one, though. Hear me out on this. I'll hear you. Danny Green, who won't be playing next year, Mason Plumley, and Furkan Korkmaz are coming to the Pacers as, as well as pick 13 from Charlotte. Okay. Gordon Hayward and Malcolm Brogdon are heading to the 76ers. But here's a catch. I think Charlotte's taking on Tobias Harris. All right, I'm gonna need you hit me with a lot of names, so I'm gonna need okay. you to say it again. A lot of junk for the Pacers, but they get pick 13. So they they get Danny Green, who's on an expiring, and Mason yep. Plumley, who's Cork on an expiring, Moss. and mm-hmm. Cork Moss, who's only making five million, and pick 13 from Charlotte. The 76ers take on Gordon Hayward's contract. Um, they also take on Malcolm Brogdon. The Hornets get Tobias Harris, and I didn't throw it in here because I couldn't. Um, it was an option. There's a lot of speculation that the Nets will defer the pick to the 76ers this year. I don't know if the stepping in rules work, but if they could trade that pick to the Pacers too, I think that makes it more enticing. Definitely makes it more enticing to do that. For the Sixers now at the guards, you got Harden, Maxi, and Brogdon. It's, 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 it's interesting. Who does James Harden guard better? What, between shooting guards and point guards? No, he guards forwards better. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in Brogdon, I think, is kind of the same build. Um, but Brogdon's a really good shooter, really good defender. Um, you know, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And then you get Gordon Hayward out there next to Joel Embiid. Um, I think, you know, he's cheaper for the next two years than Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think when he's healthy, he's probably better than Tobias Harris. But, you know, at the same time, yeah. they're totally different players. I just think Hayward, when healthy, is a better defender. 
but I, I just think it gives him some flexibility. Now I thought about putting, I think I had an original trade where I had Plumley go into the 76ers in this deal as well to give them a backup center, which I still think could make some sense, but I don't remember what I had going back to the Pacers, but basically I, I think it's crazy, but to get off Hayward, to move off of Plumley and pick 13, you get Tobias Harris and Charlotte. I think he could make some sense there. He definitely could. If you make that move, what happens with Miles Bridges? Oh, you keep him. Okay. You're able to make that work. Cause even though that contract's bigger, have they gotten? Yeah. Off because you're actually, you're getting off more and, money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, that's, that's definitely intriguing. I, I do think that Charlotte would, would want to do that because Tobias Harris plays far more games than Hayward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you're able to sign bridges for us. We're getting a, we're getting a whole bunch of what you see by the curb and, uh, and the 13th overall pick, but I'm still in, I'm still in. Now yeah. I think some people probably think that's selling way too low on Brogdon, but to get the 13th overall pick at this point, I'm cool with six and 13. You still have 31, right? Or has 31 been redirected? No, you still have 31. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. So six, 13, 31, that's a lot of ammo in this draft. It really yeah. is. I mean, I thought about throwing uh, Thibel in there, you know, but I just like, I don't think they'd give up Thibel. I don't, I don't think they want to give up Thibel. And, and if we could get Thibel and the 13th and some of that, then I'm very intrigued because yeah. Pacers need more defense, but I know they like him a lot. Yeah, the big thing here is knowing Danny Green's not going to be available all year exactly. long. So you're basically trading that to the Pacers. They can waive him. I think actually it's like partially guaranteed too, if I'm not mistaken, for his contract. Mm-hmm. But, you know, getting Brogdon and Hayward for basically Tobias Harris for next year makes a ton of sense to me if I'm Philadelphia and I don't think of any picks. Yeah, no, I, I do think that they would be intrigued. For Danny Green, I do like the, the, the option to just be able to cut him. So I'm looking at it right now. He doesn't have a penny guaranteed for next year. Mm, so, yeah, so, the Pacers could easily just cut that from their salary. Could easily cut that or flip him again. Yeah, depending on who else wants him, yeah. Well, I mean, it could just be like a move where someone's looking to, you know, get rid of, uh, you know, a player who's got like $8 million guaranteed for each of the next few years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we'll you see. trade him to Phoenix and the DeAndre Ayton sign a trade. <laughs> hey, who knows? But now, yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting deal. Those three-team mega blockbuster deals. You love them. Uh, yeah, they never work out. But in this situation, look. What are you talking about? A three-team mega. Did you not see what happened at the draft last year? We had a six-team trade. That was so, like, after the fact of teams being able to, like, well, we're going to work him in there. We're going to work that. Like, I still happened. Technically, it still happened. (laughs) But in reality, it's more like they made all the pieces work after the fact. But, um, look, this is fun. I always love experimenting out there, especially because – there's deals that we totally just don't agree on at times. And then there's other deals that we love. So <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. But what I really want now that you did present all your trades, I would really love to hear from you guys as to which deal was most intriguing, maybe which deal was most unrealistic, and then where you actually see us kind of coming in the middle as that's probably the deal that gets done. Yeah, no, I'd love to hear your feedback, but I want to hear from you real quick, Fachi, out of all the yeah. deals we presented. What deal do you think makes the most sense? Hmm. I, I liked your Hawks deal. That's exactly what I said. I yeah, think it's the it, one that makes the most sense to me. It felt very realistic. We get 16, you get Gallinari. Uh, I think it was just one year left on his deal. Like maybe it's five million dollars guaranteed for it, next it, year. That's exa- it. exactly like maybe he's flipped again. It, it felt like it was it was it made sense for all parties. Yeah. Now with, out of my trades, which one was your favorite? Ooh, that's tough. Um, probably your next one. I agree. That was, that was the one that I let off with first because I, I felt like it was the one that I liked the most that could happen. Yeah, I, I like that one. And I also kind of like your New Orleans one, if they'd be willing to do it, because I kind of have something similar to that. Um, but, but yeah, it's tough, man, because looking at this, it's like, like I said, I feel like we undersell Brogdon and oversell Oh, no doubt. Especially in that three-team deal that you just had. Brogdon just getting thrown out there. It's like, it's essentially the 13th overall pick, which I'm still in love with. Other people might be like, what? They traded Brogdon for that, but I'm pick 13. I think that's a pretty good trade. Yeah, no, no. I agree. I think that other teams would be like, oh, wow, that's all it really costs. But for us, we're like, man, we got the 13th pick. But it just shows that this fan base 
has just kind of soured on Brogdon. And it's also the need to move on. I don't think this can fully be Tyrese Halliburton's team if there's Brogdon kind of fighting for touches or, or any type of resentment or anything, even in the sort that points to being negative. Yeah, I mean, if there's a chance you could potentially walk away with Benedict Matherin at pick six and Terry Eason at pick 13. It's possible. I mean, I'm, I'm not too mad about that. And you get some salary relief there. Uh, you can cut Danny Green's $10 million or you can trade it. You, if, you, if you cut it, you'll get an extra $10 million in cap space. So yep. that could be huge, especially if they did the Turner sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton. You know, you got to take on that extra, you know, $20 million or whatever it is, $12 million for the first year. Boom, there you go. Cut Danny Green. You got that money right there. So it's like uh, it couldn't honestly be a more perfect idea. But um, that's just kind of where I'm at. I really like the idea of trying to get a Terry Eason, an EJ Liddell, or a Jeremy Sohan from uh, Baylor with uh, with the secondary pick there in the late lottery, mid middle first pick. Like, uh, that's kind of why I like the Atlanta pick 16 thing because they just, if they don't get Keegan Murray at six, right, they've got to be able to find another forward in this draft. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm completely on board with you. 16 is appealing in this draft. In other years, once you get to 16, you know, you're almost creeping into that TJ Leaf Goga territory. But this draft is different. I feel like you could get a, a promising young rotational player at 16 in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about trades. I think it's time to put all the good old trade machine away and uh, let's let people know where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And if you're counting down the days till the NBA draft, say these three words. Let's go, Pacers! <laughs>